Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel chapter 4? The events of this chapter perfectly reflect the spiritual attitude of Israel in the closing days of the era of the judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's how the book of Judges closes out. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, let me. I don't want the same. Uh, well, if I drink a Diet Coke, I have to stop and burp too much, son. Water's better on me. Samuel, of course, has been identified as the man to whom the Lord would speak, through whom the Lord would speak his word. But if you recall, we, we've, we saw a verse on back in there that said the word of the Lord was rare <laughs> in those days. In other words, nobody paid any attention to it. They had the they had the books of Moses, but nobody really committed it to them, to themselves. So Samuel is the first then of the line of the prophets in what I would call the school of the prophets. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. This is a story that really continues for another couple of chapters, but we'll get it started tonight, God willing. Pride displaces the Word of God. Okay, so where are we at this point in time? Number one, we've learned in the book of Samuel that the Word of the Lord was rare in those days. And we've learned, number two, that the Lord has chosen to transmit his word through Samuel. So we pick up there in uh, verse 1. Actually, chapter 3, I picked up the last. I'm not sure this is how, the, how your Bible is in the Hebrew Bible. There's verse 21, and I'm not sure if that's verse 1 in the English Bible or not. But anyway... So I'm actually in chapter 3, verse 21, and then right into chapter 4. Yahweh continued to appear in Shiloh, for Yahweh revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh with the word of Yahweh. So Samuel is going to deliver the word of Yahweh, the word of the Lord. He's a prophet. They haven't had that. They're going to have the books of Moses. They haven't had anything else since then. Now we move on into what, I, what, what in, my, in the Hebrew Bible is chapter 4. And the word of Samuel went out to all Israel. Now that doesn't mean that Samuel preached all over Israel. In the context, what that means is everybody in Israel heard about Samuel. They heard that this great young man who was so wonderful in his ministry 
at the temple, which was a stark contrast to the sons of Eli, uh, Hophni and Phinehas. The people were excited about this young guy, prophet of God. The Lord would give to Samuel his word. So what was happening about Samuel and in Samuel's life was spreading all over Israel. All right, now think of, think of immediately what, hap what happens, okay? The first time in a long time, God has called and designated a man to be a prophet. To deliver his word through that man. Word of the Lord of the Lord had been rare. So this is, this is something now that all of Israel is talking about. Samuel's man of God. God will speak through Samuel. Oh, that's nice. Let's go to war. See, they didn't, they didn't pray about it, didn't talk about it, didn't consult the word of God about it through the man of God who was to bring to them the word of God. Israel went out to war. Okay, word of Samuel. Everybody learns about Samuel, but then all of a sudden he's ignored. Israel went out to war against the Philistines. This is a thing of pride. No particular reason is given. Israel went out to war against the Philistines. In other words, Israel was the aggressor. They encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphech. And the Philistines arrayed their troops against Israel. The battle spread and Israel was beaten before the Philistines. And they slew in the battle array of the field, in the field, about 4,000 men. So about 4,000 Israelite warriors died. It was, a, it was a humiliating defeat. So, filled with pride, solutions begin to come from the flesh when people are filled with pride. Pride displaces the word. When people are filled with pride... When those people who are supposed to be God's people are filled with pride and they're filled with themselves, that pride displaces the Word of God. And so the Word of God is not so important. It doesn't carry a priority in their lives. This, this pride does, though. Man, I have, a, I have a goal. I have an object. I'm going to ac accomplish this. I, this, is, this is something that's got to happen. You know, whether God's in it or not, it's got to happen. So, this was a humiliating defeat. Pride displaced the Word of God. They never sought the Lord. They didn't even, they didn't even ask Samuel, who now was recognized as a man of God, prophet of God. Unchecked pride produces faulty, even tragic Solutions, And the people came to the camp and the elders of Israel said, Why has Yahweh beaten us today before the Philistines? I know what let's do. Now, of course, this is something that's just totally forbidden. It didn't matter to them. 
Let us take to us from Shiloh the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh. Now this thing is never supposed to be seen by anybody except the high priest on the Day of Atonement. It's in the Holy of Holies. It is a sacred and special thing. This, this is where God comes. It's his footstool. It's the mercy seat. This is on that lid of that ark, the mercy seat, is where God accepts the blood of atonement for the people. This thing, and we've been studying Exodus, this thing is representative of the, of the presence of God with his people, which is depicted as someday being God incarnate. The, the acacia wood representing the humanity of Christ overlaid with gold, which represents the deity of Christ. This was a holy and sacred object. This thing wasn't to be handled. This thing wasn't to be used. This thing wasn't, this thing wasn't something that you just fooled around with. Especially you didn't go into its presence if you were not the high priest. But respect for all of that had been lost because of Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, and because of Eli himself, who is a very old man. And he's just inept. Here's what we'll do. We will go and take to ourselves from Shiloh the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh. And he will come in our midst and save us from the hand of our enemies. So, okay. Without the word of God, if the people of God who are called the people of God ignore the word of God, they can make up their own rules. They can fall into all kind of error. Now this is what happens here. These people had no regard for the word of God. The word of God was very plain about the place for the Ark of the Covenant and what it was for. It wasn't for the people to use and to think that they could take this thing and manipulate God. A trinket, an icon, um, an amulet, something that people can take and think that it has magical powers that they can control like a, a genie in a bottle. But when, you don't, when you're not anchored in the Word of God, you can just dream up all kind of stuff. And you can just think that you have God in your hip pocket and God on a leash and God here and God then you, God will do anything you ask Him or tell Him to do. So here's where they are. Here's what we'll do. We'll get the Ark of the Covenant and He'll come in our midst. And he'll save us from the hand of our enemies. So God's people are going to tell God what to do. And the people sent to Shiloh, and from there they carried the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh of hosts, of armies. Who dwells above the Kerubim. And there with the Ark of Elohim's covenant were Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. So they're hanging out there at Shiloh. Taking advantage of people as we've already learned. And this is going to make them heroes. 
This is going to make them great in the eyes of the people. We're just going to walk right into that place, grab up that Ark of that Covenant and bring it out here and let the people take it and let them go to war and they'll tell God what to do. They'll carry God in their midst and God will have to save them and save all of us from our enemies. But now notice how he is titled what this thing is called. The Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh Tabayot, of the Lord of hosts, of the Lord of armies. Now that's an aggressive thought. That's a military thought. The Lord of hosts, Lord of armies, Yahweh of armies. In other words, there's no limit to his power. He can call upon any kind of force he wants to call upon. He's the Lord of so. He's acknowledged here as the Lord of armies. He dwells above the cherubim. And it's the Ark of Elohim's covenant. So it's a long title for what that Ark is and what it's all about. Very sacred. Very, very important thing. And, and how it is to be used in the worship of the people of the Lord is carefully designed and outlined in the Old Testament, in the book of Moses, in the books of Moses, in the law. That doesn't make any difference to these people. This is how far away they are. Pride, unchecked, displacing the word thinking of solutions energizes the flesh. I've seen churches make mistakes through the years. Making decisions based on the energy of the flesh without properly consulting the word of God without taking into consideration the revealed will of God in the Word of God. We see today how pride, human pride, can energize the flesh even in the work of God's people, even in the church. Energized in their flesh to produce a solution by supposedly manipulating God himself. God will do this. God will do that. God this. When there's nowhere in the Bible you can rectify that. So here's what happens to Israel. Consumed with their pride... In possession of the Ark of the Covenant, their flesh is energized. Here it is. And it was when the Ark of, the, of Yahweh's Covenant came into the camp that all of Israel shouted a great shout. The earth stirred over the energy and the noise coming from Israel. Now let me say this. The Ark of the Covenant. 
It was the first thing designed to be constructed in Yahweh's directions, instructions to Moses. That was the first thing. It was the centerpiece. Everything else was around that. It went with the people of God directed by the pillar of fire, which was the presence of God. And it was mobile in the time of Moses. It was fixed in its place except when God said, take the Ark of the Covenant and let it go, let it go ahead of you to the, to the Jordan River. And the Jordan, the rivers parted and they crossed over. And then again, a little time later, Yahweh instructed Joshua to have them to take the Ark of the Covenant and take it with them when they marched around Jericho. You don't hear of it being used again because Yahweh had not given instruction except for the time when it was being moved to what would be the location of the temple and the wrong guy touched it, you know. And it didn't, it didn't turn out well for him. He thought to steady the ark. Now, The glory of Yahweh comes down into Solomon's temple. It's a great service that the people had. And it was visible, the glory of the Lord. And then in Ezekiel, the glory of the Lord left and it didn't come back again until the Lord Jesus in the book of John, the gospel of John is identified. And John said, and we beheld his glory. So you keep that in mind. This is, a, this is a very special thing. They're energized, not by the Word of God. They're energized by an icon that is very special, that is a very holy thing to be used only as God says it's to be used and in no other way. So they take it and they think that they can manipulate God himself. Now, a lot, a lot of churches try that, you know. A lot, of, a lot of churches make demands of God. They get energized in all kinds of ways. And they begin to, they begin to claim that God will do this and God will do that. Even though often it's, it's diametrically opposite of what God's people are taught. In his word. So they're all happy and shouting and carrying on. The Philistines heard the sound of the shout and they said, What is the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they knew that the ark of Yahweh had come into the camp. And the Philistines feared. Man, they were they were more they were more in touch with the whole thing than the Israelites were. They were afraid. For they said, Elohim has come into the camp. They said, Woe unto us, for there was nothing like this yesterday and before yesterday. Woe is unto us. Who will save us from the hand of this mighty Elohim? This is the Elohim who smote the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Strengthen yourselves and become men, you Philistines, lest you serve the Hebrews. Now that they are called Hebrews... 
that's a that's that's not a complimentary statement. That was sort of a derogatory way to speak of these people. We call them Hebrews. So they have no they have no thoughts of God's people. Lest you serve the Hebrews as they served you, and you shall become men now and fight. Still nobody asking God what to do. Still nobody consulting his word. Still swelled with pride and fleshly energy. Their pride begets devastation. And the Philistines waged war. And Israel was beaten. And they fled each man to his tents. Now the blow was very great. And there fell from Israel 30,000 infantrymen. They only lost 4,000 when they didn't have the ark. Now with the ark, they've lost 30,000. I'm going to venture to say that Yahweh was not pleased. The ark of Elohim was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, perished. I'm glad to get those guys out of the way. And a, a man of Benjamin ran from the battle array and came to Shiloh on that day with his garments torn, earth upon his head. He came and behold, Eli was sitting on the chair beside the road anxiously waiting for his heart trembled for the ark of Elohim. And the man had come to tell in the city and the whole city cried out. Now Eli heard the sound of the cry and he said, what is this confused noise? And the man hurried and came and told Eli. And Eli was 98 years old. His eyes were set. He couldn't see. And the man said to Eli, I am the one who has come from the battle array, and I fled from the battle array today. And he said, what happened? And the one who had reported the news answered and said, Israel fled before the Philistines. There was a great slaughter among the people. Your two sons were killed, Hophni and Phinehas. But that's not all. The ark was captured by the Philistines. And it was when he mentioned the ark of Elohim that he, that is Eli, fell off the chair backward through the, gate, through the gate opening and his neck broke and he died because he was fat. That's what it says. He was heavy. And he had judged Israel for 40 years. A fat, old preacher. <laughs> but I know how to fall. The pathetic thing is that he wasn't so excited about the death of his sons as he was the loss of the ark, which, well, he should have been upset. 98 years old, fell backward, broke his neck, died. So in that span of time, that short span of time, both <coughs> as, it was, <coughs> as it was in the uh, prophecy that Yahweh had given, <coughs> His sons had died and now he has died. He had been a judge of Israel for 40 years. Pride unchecked gives birth to Ichabod. 
His daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child, ready to give birth. She heard the news concerning the taking of the Ark of Elohim, and that her father-in-law and her husband had died. She knelt and gave birth, for her pains had suddenly come upon her. And about the time of her dying, the women who were standing by her said, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. She did not answer, neither did she heed. She called the child Ichabod, saying, Glory has departed from Israel. Because the ark of Elohim has been taken. And because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, glory has departed from Israel. For the ark of Elohim has been taken. This all started with pride and flesh and, and total ignorance of the word, almost to the point of despising the word, ignoring the newly touted man of God, prophet of God, Samuel. I mean, he doesn't appear for quite some time. He doesn't come back on the scene for a while here. Although all of Israel had heard about him, they were excited, but, but not that excited. And it has, it has ruined them at this point in their existence. They fell into ruin. Now, not to worry. The Ark of the Covenant takes care of itself, okay? But the pitiful thing is that the people of God did not reverence it. And treat it the way that it should have been treated. Nor did they seek the will of the Lord. The word of God. In all of their doings. And in all of their goings. And so this pride and this flesh. And oh that happy feeling and all that stuff. Results in the loss of the glory of the Lord. From his people. We'll stop there and we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.